Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. Carolyn, nobody would ever accuse me probably of being, what should I say first, a country boy. Many words come to mind. <laughs> well, thanks Carolyn. That's why I didn't give you a chance to speak so far today. Because right? I could just feel it. It's in the air. It's great. But... <laughs> Many people would actually um, never think of me in those terms, although we live in the country. Rural. This is true. Yeah, sort of. Appalachia. Yeah. We are. So I would never probably also be considered to be a farmer, although I'm sure that that's probably less to do with Appalachia. Uh, we don't have a lot of flat land around here, right? But at the same time, I'm not much of a farmer either. No. And if you, <laughs> you say that too quick, you're supposed to sort of mess with me a bit in, in a good way, not a bad way. At least allow there to be a little bit more dialogue going on, Carol. Well, in your background, you may have grown up on a farm. Who knows? You, I don't who know. Who does? Well, I, don't know. I can tell you I didn't. I don't dress that way either. Some people think if they have two or three animals, they have a farm. But I have blue jeans and flannels, so maybe that qualifies to get what? Uh, a bit again. But at the same time, though, right? Why am I saying any of this? Obviously. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm very curious at this point. <laughs> well, I have to go back and correct something I said. Uh-oh. Because we want to be factual. Yes. I do, at least. Uh, and certainly when it comes to the Word of God, we do not want it in any way, shape, or form not to be factual. So we had a guest on. And I was trying to remember that passage about reapers and sowers at the end time. And I kind of asked the guest who was a pastor, but I think he was thinking about some other stuff or he was just being kind. But where the reapers overtake the sowers, that's what I said. But the biblical passage actually is the sowers overtake the reapers. And again, that's why I started with country boy Farber, because only Farbers would probably appreciate that in its fullness. But you know, I got to, I got to thinking about that. You know, I got to think about the sowers and the reapers and the farming and the agricultural sort of angle. And, you know, that was a time and a place in history where, in human history, where that was a big deal. And uh, all of a sudden I began to uh, realize that really did fit in pretty well with the content. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is that God gives so much, you can't outgive God. <laughs> God gives so much, we can't keep up with the returns on it. And uh, would that, I suppose, if I was a farmer, would that not be the ideal? That my crops would come in and come in and come in and my storehouses would be so filled and we'd have more than enough to go around. And uh, instead of thinking in terms of the deficit or trying to collect it all, you know, how am I going to collect it all? Uh, I should be focusing upon, I should not worry because God's going to just continue to give. Right. He's going to continue to bless. He's going to continue to give. Maybe it's a little, little bit like the um, widow woman and her son. And Elisha, Elisha, however you would want to pronounce that. And uh, she wasn't concerned about the last bit of meal because she knew there was a blessing that's coming. Or she knew even if it would require her and her son, her life, for the sake of the, the, uh, the holy man, uh, she was going to do it because somewhere inside there's always a measure of faith. Mm -hmm. 
which is not in this is not the direction in any way, shape, or form that I wanted the program to go today. <laughs> but I got to, you know maybe that's it too. I got to thinking about that as as I was saying that. I, you know maybe that's it too because when you plant a seed, <laughs> you know, you know, see I'm not a farmer. This is all new stuff. I'm just I'm thinking this through. I guess if they plant the seed, they don't know, right? They don't know whether it's going to be. Uh, uh, appropriately so, the right climate to grow it, if it's going to be drought, there's going to be enough uh, rainfall, uh, I'm sure they don't know if it's going to be harvest, you know, you can harvest it in appropriate time because I guess there's a window of time for mm -hmm. harvesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe you're going to get sick along the way. Maybe your tractor or your mule or whatever it is you farm with is going to break down. I mean, there's all kinds of variables. But every seed has that potential to produce some sort of fruit or result. And with that, you know, God is the sower. And uh, as much as we've called, been called in that final in days, in times, or in time, to do that, God's the one, though, that does all the work. We're just... Uh, <laughs> I've got that lingo down. We're just the hired hands, right? We're just the, wow. the, the, the plow boy or whatever it is. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about, um, I mean, all your farming uh, <laughs> terms that you've been using is the first garden. That was upon creation. So I've kind of always thought that somehow and i don't know it's work and then there's this idea of like you know responsibility and being over and adam you know naming the animals but there was a garden so that makes me think that there's you know sowing harvesting that was part of the first creation so i think it must be at least somewhat important to god you know that idea of the planting and i i just kept thinking about that, that that's one of the first things he made. I mean, he could have made anything, mm -hmm. but there was a garden, mm -hmm. which well, is kind I of mean, interesting. A lot of people go with that whole analogy that, that uh, and I think it perfectly fits with science, although the this, the narrative on it is, is more for <laughs> farmers, uh, people who are not necessarily scientists to understand it. But the human being, our construction, uh, just like trees. We have trunks, we have limbs, most of our biochemical constitution, and all, of course that makes sense, right? It's the ecology of it. It's we the, were made from the earth. Yes, and so all of that rightly fits together, but, but isn't that the most uh, incredible thing though? At some point you start to not appreciate the obvious, right? You start to maybe miss that big picture understanding of things, as you were saying, or even with that whole uh, verse in the Bible, or passage in the Bible about the uh, um, the reaper, the plow, the planter overtakes the reaper, even the sower, uh, because you just start to miss the picture of it all because you get so caught up in the details, mm -hmm. and we're so concerned about what we don't have or what we have to have and, and our conceptualization of it that we the obviousness, the common sense dimension mm -hmm. uh, sort of gets lost. Which is what I want to talk about today. So Carolyn, <laughs> you always laugh at me whenever I, I go there. That, that wasn't a rough transition. That was a pretty good transition. I, I get nervous whenever you say that because I don't know what's going to be said next. So Carolyn. <laughs> farming to. Yes. But, but that idea, though, that God has rightly put everything together 
in such an integrated way, mm-hmm. right. uh, manner, mm-hmm. and that it all rightly fits together exactly. if we just apply a common sense dimension and don't mm-hmm. get too preoccupied with ourselves, mm-hmm. is probably good for any segue when we start to talk about God and, unfortunately, how we've gotten off path. So, do you believe that God had intentions? It's <laughs> a tough question. No, do you laughing. believe? I mean, I'm thinking you don't know it yet. Okay. <laughs> I, think, okay. I feel sorry for Carolyn right oh, now. Thank you. Do you believe that God intentioned all along to create Eve? Hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting question. I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that. Do I think that he intentioned all along? My answer would be yes. Based on the fact that the Trinity existed before Adam, which means Jesus had to be born, which means there had to be people, which means there had to be Adam and Eve. And I'm sure there's a much more spiritual answer to that. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to follow uh, and put the pieces together. Uh, that's my immediate mm-hmm. answer. That's mm-hmm. the answer off the top of my head. Um, and then, then there's the Bible, which we should always go to over our that's, own yes, thoughts. Yes. Which says that he needed a helper. He wanted him to have a helper. Uh, he was created to be his helpmate. So, and Adam looked around. There was no one appropriate. You know, the animals were there with him, but no one was there. So, God created Eve. I still say yes, but relationship is where God lands at. He wants a relationship with us. He sought us. He loved us first. He came to us. He died for us. So he's all about relationship. So for Adam to be there and have a relationship with God, that could have been enough, but it wasn't. So he created Eve, and then, of course, you know, Adam uh, looked for that as well. So I would say relationship is important to God and thus, you know, came that relationship, Adam and Eve, marriage, the whole idea were, you know, the bride of Christ. He had someone with him. I'm not sure what answer you're looking for, but that's, that's what well, comes to my I, mind. I think the end. <laughs> and I'm sure there's probably a better, simpler answer Well, you know, there, people do that with our program. We go all around it. <laughs> well, well, no, no. People do that with our program. I, I, I think they get upset a bit, I'm sure. Nobody's come to tell me this. Nobody came and told me this. Well, that's good. <laughs> yes. I'm getting nervous. So just me, maybe me speculating. But I'm sure there's individuals out there just to get the point. <laughs> just give us the bullet points. I want the one, two, threes yeah. of this. Read me the passages, <laughs> scripture. Tell me what the sermon's going to be. Deliver unto me the sermon. Bring a bit of consolidation of all this together. And so, in conclusion, you can go back and reread the passage and then make it neat and tidy. (laughs) Maybe they need to be more patient. (laughs) Well, one, you're right. Bullet points. (laughs) One, I'm not that smart. Well, God didn't speak in bullet points. (laughs) 
Two, I would want to listen to God so that when he speaks, I would say what he wants me to say rather than what I think I should say. Right. And three, you just prove the point. Because though you went through a sequence of thinking, thoughts, and it started with maybe a, a more basic or you know uh, superficial, for lack of a better way to describe it, an outside sort of representation of all of it, you took it right to where it needed to go. Now, that was unique to you, right? The, your experiences, your way of thinking, and that was like a tough question, a tough question right? And only maybe Moses really knew when he wrote the Pentateuch or he captured in the book of Genesis all of those facts for us. But... I don't know what God's mind was exactly, Mm -hmm. except to say, I think you're right. I think it's about relationship. But isn't that what we started with? Everything is related and rightly connected. And if we understand that, (laughs) sowers to reapers, Mm -hmm. and now husbands to wives, Mm -hmm. men to women, Mm -hmm. that is all about relationship. But even in that, we don't have to make the relationship work. We just have to allow God to do it his way and know that he's already created it to work. Now, again, is even afterthought? No. Is Eve different than man in a physical dimension? Yes. I guess I should say Adam. Woman different from man? Physical dimension? Yes. Not only anatomically different, but also in many ways characterologically different. Mm -hmm. And with that, are there some disconnect points along the way? Right? Between men and women, as there probably was between Adam and Eve, and how you negotiate that. Obviously, there's all kinds of potential for that. Is there potential in that for us to get things all messed up by trying to figure it out from a superficial dimension? Right? Or looking at it or thinking, well, no. It's like the farmer thing. The the seed's got everything in it to produce the crop. Mm. And God does control the weather. (laughs) So all i got to do is plant the seed. And if I plant the seed, as a farmer, Mm -hmm. if I plant the seed, then it's going to produce the fruit. Now, again, can I say this on Christian radio? But that's really, in a human dimension, that's the conceptualization of it. Adam was the seed, Eve was where the fertile ground, where it was planted, and what does it produce? Mm -hmm. But you can't trust the seed to produce anything if it doesn't have fertile ground. So to the extent or degree that God created Adam, I don't know that he did that without thought of Eve. I just think he did it like you were talking about the garden earlier. He just created the trees. He created all the other stuff first Mm -hmm. because there was this sort of growing or mature. Yeah, I was going to say maturing. uh, And I know God's mature, so there's Mm -hmm. no dimension of time in God. And that maturity thing kind of captures dimension. But for the earth, for for our existence, Mm -hmm. it's all part of a development progression where that that seed matures even <laughs> the whole conceptualization God thought it and, and all of a sudden started to make it happen mm-hmm. that's a maturing of that vision so to speak and that was what the last podcast was all about was vision or the last broadcast podcast was all about and how it comes to fruition mm-hmm. I don't know if Pastor Ed ever got a hold of you but you know I listened to that yeah I mean it, I don't know if he listened to it at full content or not but all that was a blessing. I mean, we were blessing his ministry. Not that I had the power to bless it, Mm -hmm. but I could see God's hand on it, Mm -hmm. right? But 
Adam is then the deliverer of the seed, but the seed isn't even Adam's. It's God's. And in the seed is everything that's necessary for there to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. It just took generations mm-hmm. in the same sort of way it took God within time, mm-hmm. whatever. God doesn't live in time, so I'm sure God didn't measure it by time, mm-hmm. but it just evolved. The maturity. You were yes, and I know that's a loaded word. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. say that on Christian radio. Evolved. Mm-hmm. But this notion, it had to mature. Mm-hmm. Now, what is entirely unfair, though, is to look at that and say, well, Adam's got all kinds of problems because he's a man. Or Eve's got all kinds of problems because she's a woman. And those problems are never going to rightly fit together. And in that sort of way, it'll never work. Hmm. I don't now, know I'm sure you've been. never thought about that in relationship to probably anybody. But it's certainly in relationship to Tim. No. And I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that even regarding Adam and Eve. And, of course, you know, there's this idyllic, you know, we put them on a pedestal. They were in Eden, you know, Adam and Eve. So, wouldn't that be interesting to know what their daily life really was like? Mm. Well, (laughs) Adam, if Mama ain't happy, Adam ain't happy, right? Right. I mean, that's that saying, but he kind of started there, which might have been the right thing to do, because he could probably have destroyed Eve, but that would have been foolish, right? Because there's this great gift that God had given him, and if he destroyed that gift, he'd have been like, alone, sorry. Well, they had so much more, Um, and hmm, I don't know that that's even correct to say that, like, uh, like theologically, because... You know, we have Christ in us. They didn't necessarily have the Holy Spirit in them. But they were with God and walked with Him and and had this relationship, this close relationship, so that their life was different than ours. Let's just put it that way. Their their existence was different. But I I sort of don't say that with 100% confidence because of the fact that we have that relationship with God as well. It just looked different. So, I I don't know. I'm curious of how their relationship was. But I, I would venture to say that since everything was perfect, that I don't know that it looked like today. But there's people that say that. There's people, just what you just said, there's people that, you know, think that they had the everyday, even at Christmas time when they talk about Mary and baby Jesus and he cried, he was human. You know, there's that human he wet element. His pants. Yeah, there yes. was diapers to be changed. Yes. There was, you know, was he mouthy? Did he, you know, we know he ran away, but did he, did he act up? Well, so, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what did that look like between Adam and Eve? And was it, was it like that? Or was it? Because, you know, before sin entered the world. Well, and, and yeah, well, they were naked, so nobody wet their pants. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about that. Or relieving themselves in such a conventional sort of manner as we might see it in today's society. But, but let me just kind of get to get to that place. <laughs> it was on that, a, note. Yeah, on that note, right. So it, let me just kind of then do this, if you allow me. If any of the stuff we've said thus far resonates in any sort of way, common sense, then may I say this? Because I think what we're seeing today is the end result of both of those things. 
I think on the one hand is the perfection of the relationship between man and woman even as it is the relationship of the Old Testament to the New as it is then anything to anything in material dimension. Because it's all, as I said earlier, I, I said that was a great ending point. You know, we could see your progression of thought. It's all about relationship. And God has rightly conceived of it thought of it before he even began to create it. So there is a purpose and intention in mind. And you do have to have two separate disparate parts in order to have a relationship. You can two of the one of the same, if they're both the same, if there's two of the same, they're really not relating in maybe the grandest of ways. I guess you can have a relationship. Because you can't but quote, it's, relate. Yes. Yes. You're exactly identical. Right. And with that then getting back to what I was saying. I would contend that what we're seeing now is the progression of not only the fulfillment of what began with Adam and Eve and we saw in interim with Jesus, but will then show its full manifestation when Christ comes again. But we're seeing, and that's, that's the one side, but we're also seeing the in the same progressive sort of way I just described that, the end of what I would believe to be critical theory which is that flaw that was first manifest in the garden that drove Adam and Eve out of perfection, the glory of God in that sort of, as you were describing, idyllic or idealistic sort of way, now manifests itself in a world that does not know or recognize the need for gender, does not know or recognize the need for differences, does that know or recognize that there's two parts that rightly fit together, does not know or recognize everything in natural dimension, everything that God created follows this per farming, <laughs> conjugal relations between Adam procreation in a physical sense. Uh, we haven't really highlighted the emotional, the emotional dimensions of that. Anything that happens in material dimension, this is the, this is the template. How could you believe that putting, how could you believe you can make two things so identical there'd never be a conflict? How would you believe that you could take two parts that are so disparate in a good way? That's not bad, right? Because most people say, well, disparate, that's a bad thought, right? No, it's a good thought. Because the more grand the relationship, the highest level of relationship is when you have two incredibly different parts and they still can work it out. Mm -hmm. They could still hang together. <laughs> they could still talk it through. They could still make it work. I think that's why divorce is such a big deal. It's not so much the high ethical or moral ground. Well, I'm just, or even that you wouldn't want to admit that you made a mistake or that somehow we can't live up to some perfectionistic. No, two things can't be, you can't walk away or, or call it quits because <laughs> nothing works. You have to keep working on the relationship because it's like that with life. If you don't do that with life, anything in life, you're going to be a lonely guy or girl. Mm -hmm. This is true, and it's not lost on me that you bring this up. You know, God has a way of... I don't know if I've ever shared this or not, even with you or our listeners, but God ordains our conversations, and we pray about that, and that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to lead this, and... 
it seems to never fail that God speaks to me during our conversations. And so last night, um, and I don't know why he asked me this. It was kind of odd. But um, Tim asked me, and it was, I don't know what time it was. I think it was when he got up in the middle of the night to put more wood on the fire and came back to bed. And, and then, you know, he kind of, it was cold, and he kind of snuggled up next to me, and he said, which was kind of an odd question because usually he remembers. I think it was just maybe where he was fuzzy from the middle of the night. And he said, how long have we been married? And I thought, why are you asking me that at 3 o'clock in the morning? I said, 24 years because I was half asleep. I said, 24 years. So there's not a lot of people that are more, I wouldn't say opposite, but we have a lot of differences, me and Tim. And we've learned to work through those. But when you mentioned, you know, about divorce, that was something that we had to talk through and work through. Because I probably wasn't going to change my temperament like who I was. I'm never going to be an introvert. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. We have to tie a string around your ankle just so you won't float away. That's how free you are. You are like not only extroverted, but you float. You go in and out of situations. You're a social butterfly. Oh, I don't know that I go there. I don't, I, I don't know, but I do love people, and I love our listeners. I love um, people in general, and and so, but and Tim loves people, specifically children. He loves children. We would adopt thirty kids if I would let him. I, if he every time he goes to Nicaragua, he bring home you know like a, a little lot of children for me to raise. I guess. So there's differences, but we learned that we have to accept those differences because, one, God put us together, but then we learn to relate. And I heard an ad on, it wasn't the radio, it was something like Pandora or something, and it was for Instagram. <laughs> and it annoys me every time I hear it because they say, these people say that who they want to be and then it's the ending tagline is like, be who you want to be. And all the people kind of had this similar thread, like they they were saying similar things. And, and I, I thought to myself, they all sound alike. They mm. all sound the same. Mm. And it's like how, it's like we're saying, how can you relate if you're exactly alike? And, and I feel like that's the way our world is going. There's, like you said, there's no gender, well, there's no differences. So what they're trying to do, if I might then. Mm. Yeah. Uh, follow what you're saying. Absolutely. Take you take the lead there in that that direction because it does overlap with what I want to talk about. Was that if you look at those things then superficially, if they don't look identical, they're not going to get along. And so all that idea of critical theory is superficial. Right. right. That's that's where I. And and even all that stuff that we've been talking about, and you did a great job in, uh, kind of demonstrating that, right? The way you think and because. You rationalized it, you reasoned it, you thought it through it. You didn't. I don't feed you the questions before the, no, the program. No, you do not. So, so but that—that's what happens in the program. Which is though. why they're not always great answers. Well, no, they are fantastic <laughs> answers because that's the the beauty I think of the program is it's analytical in the sense that we're taking a look at something mm-hmm. and we're discovering. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if I had all the answers and I gave you all the bullet points, again, you might get the answers and the bullet points. There'd be some question about whether there'd be much relevance. My life is not your life. But I could give you all the answers. You could give all the answers. The pastor could give all the answers. The preacher, the evangelist, all of them can give all those answers. And certainly the Bible gives plenty of answers. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's the the discovery is almost like the relationship. It's constant, it's fresh, it's renewed, it's creative, dynamics change. But if you try to bring about that kind of order or relationship of the high ideal, Mm -hmm. everybody gets along. No conflicts. From a superficial standpoint, you are never going to make that work. Mm -hmm. But what it really takes is relationship proceeds from whatever that essential seed is Mm -hmm. that God spoke However, he planted himself Mm -hmm. in a material dimension so it would begin to bear fruit in that way we mentioned earlier. When he did that, then the process itself, the way that God then chooses to bring life, sustain life and material, it's always the same. Everywhere it goes. He goes everywhere it's applied. Right. You would go. God goes everywhere. He's in everything. But anywhere we would go, Mm -hmm. it's right there in that. But if people don't understand God, if they don't hear Him, if you didn't hear God when it came to Tim, you can look at Tim and say, there's a deal breaker, Tim. You're never, I won't use Tim, uh, say it about anybody, my wife. You're, there's a deal breaker, Cindy. I'll never have a relationship with you because you can never change on this point. Or she could look at me and say, Dave, I've had enough of this stuff. And it's a deal breaker because you're never going to... And then, before you know it, we're not only not talking, but we're talking divorce. (laughs) We're talking about anything. We're talking divorce. But that's not what God is about, not only in marriage. You can't do that with life. You can't do that with other people. Mm-hmm. One is you should never judge people superficially, right? I mean, we all know that. It's a common sense thing. But like I said, again, at the beginning of the program, podcast today, how we move off of those really basic premises, all of a sudden we get out in the weeds and then we don't know where we are, is because we don't have that in our heart. We don't have, we're not allowing the seed that God put in us. Mm-hmm. To manifest itself, to bear the fruit. And what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's just, a, it's amazing stuff. It sounds really complicated if you're just trying to conceptualize it from the outside. You pick up the Bible, you start reading it, and there's all this stuff, and too much movement, too much stuff going on. I can't put it all together. But then all of a sudden, you begin to realize the Holy Spirit ties it all together. Mm-hmm. It's all a testimony of God, and his, it's all a revelation of God. But blind people are going to bang into each other. People who are only going to judge superficially. But I think that's what critical theory is all about. It's just a bunch of people who are looking at somebody and saying implicitly, you're never going to work. At least not for me. And so they think, well, I just need to go find somebody more like me. Which, if you're a woman and you don't like men, then that's going to be women. Or if you're a man and you don't like women, then that's going to be men. And if you're really not sure what you are, (laughs) it could be anything. And that's probably why even those relationships are incredibly successful because it's still moving all the parts around based on the superficials. They're not happy. I keep going back to the farmer and the seed. He doesn't look at the seed and say, well, you know, I don't think you're going to (laughs) work. 
they plant it anyway. And then they hope they plant it and they just, they sow the seed. And that's what I just kept thinking, the farmer, the seed. It all comes back to that and he doesn't judge the seed, but it's really, you know, there's a faith element. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about things don't, you know, always work. Well, sometimes there's a storm. Sometimes, you know, the, not enough nutrients the in the soil. Yeah, are not what they should be. But and also thought about when we're talking about the the kind of the conflict, the uh, the relationship that is not the same. I was thinking about creation, night and day. He could have just made 24-hour, he is the light, he could have just made 24-hour sun, but there was difference. Then there was water and land. Like there was nothing the same as far as, no. you know, his creation. Even the animals are different, you know, that's like obvious. But just the idea that he made things varied and different, which we know that and scientifically we can, you know, talk about how, and even the human body, how, you know, I was thinking the other day, I'm, I'm hoping for snow. I was sad that's not more snow on Christmas, but I was thinking the other day about how each snowflake is different and our fingerprints are different. I was just thinking about how God, how awesome that is that he can create things that are no two alike. Well, I, I agree. And, and I think too, but he made it that way. Yes. He created the differences. But they'll never always be alike superficially because that is the hallmark of that creativity. Is that in that same sort of way, it's always going to be different. Everybody's going to be unique in some material way because that's the hallmark of creativity. It's never the same. We're not clones. We're not going to just be like cast into the same mold. And even with Jesus, you know, we get into all this stuff about our conceptualization of Jesus in human terms, right? But but I, I, <laughs> I love the pictures of Jesus. I do. You know, and, and particularly the historical ones, right? Uh, European ones. But, uh, you know, Jesus isn't going to be measured. Jesus should never be measured. I don't think it is only isn't going to be measured. But Jesus is, is not going to be black. He's not going to be white. He may not even be male or female. I, mean, I know he is in a gender sort of way, in a material sort of way. But, but he said that himself. You don't even know the word, the scriptures, talking the lawyers, because they're all preoccupied about husband wives. Mm -hmm. You know, whose wife is she? Whose wife is she? Whose wife is she? I forget how many different men she was bequeathed to because of all kinds of circumstances. Yeah, something like that. He said, Don't you know they're neither male or female in heaven? Mm. They're not married in heaven, Mm -hmm. which doesn't take anything away from the male and female or the marriage. It just is trying to capture. You got to start with though. We're not material beings. We're spiritual beings right. first. We're of that order, the highest order of all things, mm-hmm. which is we're not even in some ways the seed. Although you could say that materially, we are whatever it is that God uses to bring fruit out of a seed. I don't know. It's energy. It's life. It's mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. It's process. It's the stuff of creativity. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. But if you don't begin with that premise and you don't understand that we're all endowed with that same creativity, Mm -hmm. and it's not what you earn in life, it's what you (laughs) with what you're given in life. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess there's an earning in that. It's not making it yourself. It's taking what God has given you and finding the best in it because not everybody gets the same stuff materially. It's just the way it is. I mean, I believe that it's sad when certain people are poor. 
And I don't think that. But Jesus said that. The poor will all, because it, it, you can't go against that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, some people die young. I, it's sad. But I can't make everybody die old, right? Or to make it fair, everybody has to die at 25, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of, that'd be the only way you could do it. But you can't impose those standards. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Because we're not spiritually mature. We're not mature. And we've lost common sense. We've lost that dimension of that revelation of who God is. And what we're doing is we are ripping and tearing apart our society, the, the relationships that's worked for all these years, just for the sake of somebody who's really not mature. I don't want to say ignorant. Be careful because I don't want to use the word stupid. I did use the word fool. A few podcasts ago, which the Bible specifically says, right. don't call anybody a fool. But the idea, though, is this foolishness. Well, it also says the fool says in his heart, yeah. there is no God. So. Well, I just wanted to appeal to all those people, though, that were very, again, factual. and try right. to be as factual as possible. But why would we want to do that if God has already well put it together? Mm-hmm. Why? What is the benefit? We're, I'm going to remind our listeners. Take a break. Remind our listeners. They're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael, David Clay, and Carolyn Barnett. Am I over sort of um, stating this? I don't think so because I was thinking about the common sense aspect. And for somebody that's analytical... I wouldn't say critical, and I don't have a a master's in logistics like my husband does, so I really don't analyze things like he does, but when I look at things from the analytical point of view, sometimes do you feel like the common sense sort of just gets overlooked? I mean, we we delve into the the nitty-gritty so much that we forget, like, the basic premises. So I find myself sometimes having to back up and look at the big picture because I'm a detail person and I want to know the intricacies. I want to know the why. I want to know the, you know, maybe you say, well, you just want to control things. But I, it makes sense to me. And maybe I find some kind of, you know, pleasure in the order of it or whatever. But sometimes the common sense just gets lost. It, it can't see the forest for the trees, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we want to know all the details. But And God is a God of detail and order, absolutely. And he did create all those things. And we talked about, you know, the, the human body, how uh, intricate that was created. But then there's also just the basic idea of a seed producing life. Only God can produce life. Isn't that interesting? Only like that we can provide the elements, the fertile ground, Mm -hmm. but only God. And when the farmer puts the seed out in the ground, he doesn't know for sure what's going to (laughs) happen, but only God can do that. I find that very interesting. I just. And so it's even as you were saying again at the beginning of the podcast, the broadcast today, you know, we have our thoughts on it, Mm -hmm. but you quickly turned it to the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Why should I? He said that. He said that. I should probably think about the Bible. You didn't say quite that way, but it, it was that dramatic. You know, I could see your, you shifted that gear. Because when we really can't see it all, which no human can, uh, when we can't take it all in, which no human can, uh, though we might try to empathize and understand other people's perspectives completely and totally, no human can. 
we just sometimes have to go back to what we know to be the basics. Mm -hmm. And should even then, in a spiritual dimension, all of the confusion kind of overwhelm us. Yeah. Like it, it is, I think, in the way that I was overstating, maybe overstating it a few months ago. The world is like that. But, but we need to go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Do we go back under the law? Maybe, because not necessarily because God holds us to the law. He never did hold us to the law. He gave us the law so that we can understand the freedom. Right. <laughs> it's a rope around your ankle because you would like feel like a balloon. Right? But that's a good that's a compliment. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. I want to operate in total freedom. Mm -hmm. But if a balloon goes high enough, it gets caught up in all the winds and the currents or whatever. Those balloons, right. where do they end up? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Somewhere you're not supposed to be. As a kid, well, you could be on the tree. You could be wrapped around the power line, right? You could probably, I don't know if they make their way some, I mean, I've heard stories, you know, bottles, messages in bottles, right? It's that kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we need to be tethered, not because God wants to bind us or put us in bondage, but so that we can then be, again, reestablished in His Word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so we don't let our heads override our hearts, so we don't get in all the confusion, and we don't end up destroying ourselves. But there will always be a dimension of that, because we know in the end times, there be those individuals who will be so foolish, mm -hmm. so ignorant mm -hmm. of the word, that they'll destroy themselves. And with that, we just have to sort of trust, right? Jesus is the light of the world, and it isn't like sunlight, right? Mm -hmm. It's spiritual light. But if we stay in him, they'll destroy themselves, now, I can lift up a sword against them, and sometimes it is. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. Necessary. But that kind of foolishness has no end but destruction. And they're going right. to go to hell, whether they, as with literal hell, mm -hmm. or just in the sense of um, emotional, while they're still here, mm -hmm. physical, they're mm -hmm. going to destroy everything. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to live there. <laughs> right. that's, that's my problem because I want to divorce them. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. Well, I don't know that we can divorce them. <laughs> we may not want them, but they have a soul. And if they've rejected what God has to offer them, that's on them. But, you know, it's still our job to point them toward them and point them towards knowledge of Christ, uh, you know, the relationship versus, you know, what they want to do, isolation. You know, maybe it's... Um, who was it? Uh, Ragamuffin Gospel. Was it Brennan Manning that said, uh, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is? <laughs> so, you know, we're maybe we're bringing him to the, to the um, garden and showing them how to sow. And if they don't choose to do it, then it's on them. But you know, you, and again, everything you said is so brilliant. But you said that at the front end. People will look then at marriage and say, if it isn't perfect, mm -hmm. if it isn't ideal, if it isn't Garden of Eden stuff, if you show them the garden <laughs> and you show them, this is what it looks like to be Jesus. But they don't understand all the things that go into being Jesus, the human side of it. They're going to run the risk of being, I think, then, overstatement, so idyllic or idealistic in their conceptualization of it 
that they're going to have such great expectations, they're going to get really mad at somebody along the way. I say I have. <laughs> it's probably not. I know it's not spiritually accurate, but you know, theologically, but it's probably not even nice. But I say there are some people that would be satisfied if Jesus Christ Himself came down. There's some people that would be satisfied, and I, I know that's not that sound very Christ-like, but it's the truth. I mean, you you can do everything in the world, and then there's going to be some people that will find crucifying. the one thing. They're going to crucify. And, yeah, and it's just it's and it's not up to us to convince them. So so critical theory really is human. Oh, yeah. Original sin, selfishness, it's all about us. And would it not be then for the love of God, (laughs) Old Testament, love of God as in trying to tell us what it was, Mm -hmm. but certainly in New Testament context, the love of God as actually then giving His only begotten Son so that we might then understand it is not the head, it's the heart. The head can be educated, there's certainly right. a lot of facts and truths, and we do want to be factual on the program. Mm-hmm. Right. I do not want to ever, especially when it comes to the Word of God. Oh, absolutely. I, I, right. Yeah. You know, and I feel so inadequate. If I thought about that enough, talk about critical theory, mm-hmm. I'd crucify myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, like I said a couple programs ago, too, I'm not sure I'm so credible. Don't ask me if I'm credible, because I would tell you probably not, right? If I thought enough about like it. you are. <laughs> right, but that's the point. I'm not the one to judge it. I have to trust that God gave me everything that he's given me. And it's not going to be perfect as I would want it to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when they go around saying, well, we'll reconstruct the world. We'll reconstruct our society. Since you blew it, you guys did such a horrible job, we're going to give it to these guys. Mm -hmm. And these guys are going to do better. And I like the optimism in that. And I don't even mind the fact that they're going to give it to somebody who has the lesser, right? That's why it's appealing, because it makes sense and it sounds good. But in the end, what they're missing is, if you don't have the foundation of the seed, Mm -hmm. if you don't understand who the father (laughs) is, I mean, think about that. Common sense, that's a very literal thing, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't understand where that comes from, what the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus Christ is from the inside out, out, mm-hmm. what you're going to do is you're going to give it to somebody who's going to trample it underfoot. That's <laughs> with a dog returns to its buyer, yeah. pearls before Birds swine. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do anything with it, which doesn't isn't a justification for not giving it to them. But let's just be smart about this. Mm-hmm. Don't take everything I have and give it to the poor if you're expecting them to do any better with it. Now, if that's what I'm called to, And if that's the testimony of Christ, and that's the divorce part. If I've got to die to this person, if that's the requiem, one, I don't die soul-wise, but flesh, materially, all the things that I believe in, all my principles, all the things that go into my identity, the vanity above, among vanity. How does the uh, preacher, thus saith the preacher, vanity of all vanities. Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Solomon. Yeah then let me die. I I mean, that's a hard thing to say when I'm feeling the pain of dealing with a bunch of fools who, critical theory-wise, I'm going to point my finger out and say, you guys will never change. What do you want? Me to stick a knife in my heart? Suicide right on the stage? Oh, sorry, I got into another way of thinking. (laughs) 
Do you think God feels like that sometimes about us? Well, aren't we glad he does it? Or if he does, he repents, as he did on the mountaintop with Moses. <laughs> I said that to somebody yesterday. And I felt bad after I said it. But I said, aren't you glad God does doesn't feel that way about you. And I, oh, as soon as I said it, it kind of came back at me. And, you know, that's not the way I want to be. But it did, the thought did come to my mind. I thought, you know, thank goodness he doesn't treat others like we do sometimes. I hate to say that. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> but we're not perfect. I know you thought maybe we were close. No. So <laughs> I said about the credibility. Yeah. They already know I'm not. But I don't want to be if that means that I'm going to be superficial, right. hypocritical, and shallow. Right. Exactly. And how is that How is that pointing anybody towards Christ? Because then we wouldn't necessarily need him, would we? Mm. Yeah. I, I like... I, I don't like it. But I... Uh, <laughs> I like having those type of conversations with people because I want to say, well, what do you think exactly Jesus died for? And it wasn't until I, list I sound vain to our listeners, it wasn't until I really considered what exactly did he die for me for and really looked at that sin. Now, we say the word sin, and, you know, Christ died on the cross for our sins. And I'm saying that kind of lightly and not flippantly, but and He did. I don't want anybody to think that I take that as lightly. But I believe until we really see the awfulness and the, the horribleness of that, we don't really understand the depth of that. And then, okay, so then when we realize what we were rescued from, that allows us... To see others in a different light, and unless we, you know, well, look all at them. have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. And but, Solomon said that as he was consecrating the temple, mm-hmm. was that there's no one that's without sin. Right. And so I just, I just feel like that's important for us to sort of look at that, lest we think that our sins maybe were somehow less than and 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 start to put labels on sin and and I've worked really hard on that in my own personal life and then with my children. Um their sin is no different than your sin. It just looks different. They've heard that from me a thousand times. And I wanted them to get that message because, well, you know, God's not up there it, tallying. And it may not even be sin in the sense that it, I don't want to take anything away from what is obviously sinful. But how you measure that is through whether or not it's according to God's will. And with that, then is it in accord with this thing we've been talking about? It's, which is hard to define. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. It's got to be the virtue and character. That's what I've used as a best way, come to the best way of describing used in previous podcasts, broadcasts. It's the very virtue and character. It's not only the mind of God, the mind of Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit. Right. And it is, fortunately, it's in all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent or degree that we would accept or reject Him is the same as accepting or rejecting the outward manifestation, which is Christ. But it's not sin. That's a kind of a super... And I'm not disagreeing with you, but that's kind of a superficial notion. And I have gotten caught up in that judgment of, mm-hmm. of outward too. Mm-hmm. It's the heart. It's right. the iniquity, which I think is even worse. Right? Right. It's the heart... That is grieved mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the heart that denies the virtue and character of God, which basically is, in a common sense sort of way, admitting, I don't know nothing about nothing unless God reveals it to me. 
And then I got to be careful because I'll take what he reveals to me and I want to run with it. And I want to make it my platform. And I want to make it my cause. I want to make it my purpose. And I can, again, as they like to say, virtue signal mm-hmm. anymore these days. I can do for the poor. Mm-hmm. I can do for the downtrodden. But if I am not in a position or they're not in a position to learn and I'm not in a position to accept, it's going to take a while for them to get to that level of maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it is right to throw it all away. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's right to throw all of our society away. Maybe it's right to dissect it all. Maybe it's right if we can't get that through somebody's <laughs> thick head because of critical theory. Then maybe we just need to beat them up or throw them away or whatever. Divorce them because basically they're never going to get it. But if we do that, what we're going to find is that all the things that have taken generation upon generation that have gone into not only society, but I think the, the, the foundation of all good society relationship between husband and wife and then the family that they create couldn't have been good, Carolyn, because Cain slew Abel. There's <laughs> probably a lot of stuff. I think after the fall, right? Right, right, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. But if we don't realize that, if we don't see that, then maybe I'm just part of going down with it, but I can't divorce them, right? I can't, I'm asking the question, can I divorce them? Can I do the same thing to them that they want to do to me? That's the hard part in that hypocrisy way you were mentioning earlier. That's the hard part. It is the hard part, and we have to ask ourselves that, and and the hard part of that is sometimes what's right and what we want are two different things. And then then we have that tension of, of do I want to continue with what God says or do I want to do I want to go God's way or do I want to go my way? And there therein lies the tension and that's been the eternal question because there it was, Adam and Eve, you know, do they want to do what they want to do or do they want to do what God wants them to do? And it just goes back to that. So I feel like we're always going to struggle with that question. Mm. I, that's not going to go away. Well, especially as the world goes. And I just. Well, how long does it take? What kind of real problems do you have to find? Your, how deep into the problems, the deep water of the problems, do you have mm-hmm. to get into to the point where you're feeling like you're drowning? Uh, how many times do you have near misses? You know, how many graves you have to dig, how many people has to be buried, uh, how many people has to be crucified, I mean, how many murders, uh, and then all in the name of self-righteousness. And, and I think that is certainly, as we've been describing, not only sin, all those things, we can measure them outwardly, right. but it's iniquity. And what is really then the only cure for iniquity? It's Jesus Christ. Right. It's salvation in Christ. Mm-hmm. But what that means is not only accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but understanding what then Jesus made Jesus Jesus, Jesus the Christ, God's only begotten Son was, that He didn't do it out of His flesh, out of His own understanding. He struggled with it. I and mean, We know Jesus had struggles right, right with the humanity of the human dimension. He was a disciple. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's not without conflict and relationships are tried. But if you're going to die for everyone in the way that Christ did, the only Jesus could, then you would have to understand, as we've said it, mm-hmm. that his heart was, was one with God, 
Now, will my heart be completely one with God? Not on my flesh. But fortunately, my heart's one with God and the Holy Spirit. But if I do a bunch of stuff that goes against that, then I'm going to grieve the Holy Spirit. And eventually, I'll get my just dessert. Is that what they say? Just desserts. Yes. My reward for that, mm-hmm. which is hell. Mm-hmm. Hell on earth. Emotional Hell society. What sown yes. will come yes. to fruition. And I do think that, <laughs> again, Go back to the garden. maybe that that's where the reaper overtakes the sower. When you grieve the sower and the seed so much that all you're going to get is what you've sown yourself and right. what you're going to reap. Right. But if it's with God, then there's always a seed. And this is what we're talking about. This is it. This is life itself. And whether it's material or spiritual dimension, we're talking about it. This is what brings refresh, refreshment. Be refreshed in the Lord. This is what brings resurrection. Now and hereafter. But there's still that part of me that wants to kill them all. <laughs> wants to crucify them all. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes us... <laughs> that was an insurrection too that day, was it, not? Give us Barabbas. Oh, I know. I tell you. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. But that that's the problem we all struggle with. And that's why I think our listeners can relate to what we're... To us. Because we all feel that way to an extent from time to time. Don't I have we? to repent. Right. I have to ask for forgiveness, and I have to do that sincerely and genuinely. And then I have to... It's bring my flesh into submission, Mm. but that's ugly. I mean, Mm. I don't know what it's like for you, Mm -hmm. but for me, that is... The struggle is real. (laughs) Oh, it's hard. It's very difficult. 24 years, your marriage, Mm -hmm. uh, going back to your reference, Mm -hmm. uh, you and Tim, and Mm -hmm. that conversation you guys had last night Mm -hmm. at 2 in the morning, or this morning, at 2 in the morning. It, it is. Now, I could even focus on all that. I could think of all the stuff I've done, all the stuff I've given, and I'll get self-righteous. Right. That's the iniquity Well, we in all me. can. Yes, it's the iniquity in me. Right. But what I have to do is I have to realize, if it were not for the grace of God, Absolutely. I'd be, Absolutely. I, he'd divorce me. And Jesus took it as the husband. Mm-hmm. Bride of Christ who come back for the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus died for his wife. Mm-hmm. Husbands out there. Jesus died for his wife. Now, is that pleasant? <laughs> Do I have to be happy and joyful? Can I be at least a little bit argumentative along the way? See, all that justification. Right, right. I think all those things are true. I could do all those things. That people should be assertive. There are uh, standards of relationship. He knows we are but dust. <laughs> but our heart has to be turned toward, uh, but I'm not going to kill it. I'm not going to kill them. I'm going to die for them if it requires it because I know in my heart <laughs> it's the only place I'm going to find truth. The only place I'm going to find the virtue to know that what I'm doing is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you know you don't even get to celebrate that because people aren't going to go deep enough to, to, to allow you to show that testimony. Or maybe it sounds a little narcissistic around saying that. People make probably in the wrong sort of way some cause out of dying for other people. I'm not yeah. a martyr. Right. I can tell right. you. I do not have martyrdom in me. Yeah. I know. I've, I've had that thought. I don't know if any of our listeners ever had that thought, but I... 
I've had that thought when you hear people say, I would take a bullet for them, you know, in this, this grand gesture of love. And, you know, I mean, I loved him, but I'm thinking if somebody's shooting at me, I'm getting yeah, out of the way. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're just going to be honest on this program, and we're going to. Well, of course, Tim, if you're listening, Tim would rush in between you yes, and the guy, so he'd take the bullet for he you. He would. He would, because he's that good of a person. Oh, there's there's good people. Just you know, I don't. But he was the one that was waking up at two in the morning asking how many years you guys been married. He should have remembered that. So he's in trouble. But um, I I always tease him about that. You know, how can you be so good? Because, you know, down here with the rest of us, as our pastor says, well, those of you that don't relate, you just adjust your, you know, halo and your uh, feathers and and wait a second while we talk. Um, Because there's that element of people that can't relate. But actually, I think they can if they would look, you know, pull back the curtain and look for a second. There's all, there's the garden, there's the dirt, there's the seed. It all goes back to the same thing. Oh. We can we can color it different ways, David, like you said. But you're absolutely right, though. That, that, and I've never known a farmer that didn't earn his keep. Right. Right. I've never, right. and I think that's what you're saying. I've never known some somebody. Of the most humble people. And because they work the land right. or they understand the relationship. Mm-hmm. It is them, a relationship. Yes, of themselves to the land and, and are willing to put all that sweat equity. But that's really life. Mm-hmm. But when right. you want, when you want to kill somebody, my probably contention would be either you're so much at the end of your rope, and I'm sure people have endured a lot to get to the end of their rope, but what you're basically saying is you're not going to work anymore. You're not willing yes. to do it anymore. Yes. Right. And, and what God yeah. has put together, let no man pull asunder. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that how it goes? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's a wedding vow, so I don't know if it's in, <laughs> it's in Scripture. I'm not sure it's in Scripture. But I, I, I know, don't think so. I think it's a wedding vows traditionally. Right. Right. But the idea, though, is is that that that's really the kind of commitment you have to have. You can't do it with your head. Well, that's what he has for us. I mean, that's we're not we're not Jesus, so it's not like we're going to be exactly like him exactly. But that's our goal. That's our strive to be mm-hmm. like Christ, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So we can't necessarily kill him, but we may want to kill him. But what you were saying is if we want to kill him, that's the same as killing him. Well, yes, because it's already, I thought it, it's, it's evil. It's but, the iniquity manifest. Right. But are we going to die because we had an evil thought? No. Exactly. But I have to bring it into submission. Right. Which therein lies the problem. But you can't go next door and kill them. You can't go across the street and kill them. You can't go to Washington and kill them. But I do think you can protest. But we're not even in a society anymore that's tolerant of protest. If you don't disagree, if you don't agree completely with the narrative, maybe they really don't want to kill me. Right? Maybe they will at some point repent. Maybe they're going through the same struggle I'm going through. I'm trying to do the empathy perspective thinking thing. <laughs> Maybe. But it sure feels like they want to. Mm-hmm. It sure feels like they want to. <laughs> well, and there's times that we want to kill other people. I, lest we judge them. Are we not talking about it ourselves? I mean, you know. Well, I think that's why in the Old Testament God did give them that through Moses, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. 
Because I think in the Old Testament, that's where we were in terms of our revelation or understanding of God and this nature that that God has in us, the seed. Mm -hmm. And maybe again, just as with all things natural, even seeds, you plant it, you you kind of water it, you cultivate the soil, you keep the weeds out, and then, then you watch the ground. And you watch the ground, right? So that you see that first evidence right. that, that the, it's coming up. The right. seed's good seed. It's coming up. Mm-hmm. But with God, all seed's good seed, I think. But that idea, though, is, is that it still takes time, you know, to do that. And, and though it's not God that lives in time, we do. And right. were it not for time, you know, like you were saying, if God just measured us superficially, he'd just look at it and say, well, bad slab of clay or bad pot. You know, right. let me just go ahead and destroy this one so I can build another one or put together or, mm-hmm. or throw. Is that what they say mm-hmm. on the potter's wheel? Right. You throw the pot, the pottery. There's a book that I read um, that talked about the the breaking of the pot. And it was so interesting. I'd love to go back and reread that because they described the even the dust that comes off those broken pieces can be reused and they add water to it, it and they That's they it. make it something new and, and I, that was such a revelation when I read that I thought wow but we would measure it in terms of again the harvest well finally the whatever has come home to roost you know all this stuff and and I think to and the, as you live by the sword you die by the sword if you think that way critically mm-hmm. in that sort of manner critical theory what you're going to end up with then is you're going to judge yourself by that same standard. Right. Because in the end, <laughs> like it, it fell all back ends. on us. Like we failed or we succeeded when it wasn't us to begin with. Well, the, and, and on your deathbed, I, I've not had a lot of those experiences um, where I've gone to hospice or work with individual dying or being there when they pass on. Uh, and I'm always amazed by those individuals who do that. But those that I have seen, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a, a reckoning. Mm-hmm. And probably in that there is a final opportunity to repent right. of all that. And right. I do believe in deathbed redemption yes, and salvation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, uh, a lot of hardened hearts just went on down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and did not change their attitude. And then a lot of circumstances took people out, whether it's God's judgment or just a natural occurrence. At that point, they had not repented. They had not made any sort of real change mm-hmm. in their attitudes or beliefs about life. Uh, and no person, again, the whole point, could judge another person's heart or soul. But I just don't want to be that person. I do not want to either put somebody in that situation, uh, go ahead and judge somebody to be that way, or myself. Why would I want to... I mean, doesn't make any sense to me to put myself in that kind of situation to deny this. To not have a discussion, an honest, truthful, straightforward discussion, as we are with our We don't always want to, though. That's listeners. the thing. We yeah. don't want to know the truth some, sometimes. I mean, do we not? Nobody likes, nobody likes that conversation, but it's necessary. And when you said about coming home to roost... You know, I have. What is it? Chickens have come home to roost. Is what they say or whatever. Yeah. So again, a farmer saying. (laughs) To not be a farmer, you know a lot of farmers. I know a lot of farmer sayings. (laughs) But I, I have a situation, and I, I, you know, I've, I was actually thinking about this yesterday in my church service about how, you know, uh, you know, we talk about the difference between happiness and and joy, and and you know, and I, I was thinking if this happened, then I would be so happy. And I thought, maybe that's it. Maybe God wants me 
maybe I have to let that go and then be happy where I'm at. And I know that's so obvious. And of course, I know that on the superficial right. side of it. I already know that. <laughs> but sometimes the Holy Spirit has to kind of like shake you a little bit and be like, do you really know it? Do you know it in your head or do you know it in your heart? Yeah. And I had a lot of head knowledge and I was just... One of those people, David, that just studied and, and thought that if I knew it up here in my head, then then that meant something. And, and it does, but boy, it wasn't you. until I had a revelation of what I knew in my heart and my concept of God and, and who He was, what He looked like. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm still working on that. Um, you know, there's times I want to make him small or put him in a box, you know, and things like that. But yeah, I just thought about that and I thought if the chicken would come home to roost, <laughs> then I would be happy. And I just don't know that that's where it lies. And it, and should it be too that you've spent your whole life running from God? Exactly. I was thinking that. I spent so much time waiting on this thing mm-hmm. when I could have been living yeah. and doing the other things. And that's and that is the whole whole I think captures it all the whole entirety of it all and that is is the moment that we're in is the only moment that God's in because the God doesn't live in time but when we see it within the context as much as you were humanly capable Mm -hmm. of that moment don't be surprised if you're not on the Mount of Transfiguration and then up there you're going to see that fulfillment of all those things we've been talking about today there was Moses there was Elijah, which is probably a little bit more toward the Jesus than Moses was. And then there's Jesus. But when you see Jesus, even though you see Jesus historically in a material sense, right? Because that was a long time ago. Right. What we uh, are seeing, though, is the best that any human is ever going to accomplish. No matter how much more time God gives us, that's the end. So right now, all this that we're going through now is in preparation of not... The material dimensions, mm-hmm. but the heart that drives the material dimensions, so that all that could be, as much as might be, saved, mm-hmm. can. But you've got to look at yourself honestly first. And again, what's the best way of doing that? For me, it's not come see Dave Clay or Carolyn Barnett or your pastor or your social media influencer or whatever. It's to read the Word. Mm-hmm. And allow the Holy Spirit and God to reveal to you where you are. Not for the sake of condemnation, but so that you might then realize this kind of thinking has got nothing but got, got me into nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to divorce my wife, my husband. I'm wanting to quit my job. I'm wanting to leave the country. I'm wanting to take everything that's ever been associated with any particular race or gender and curse it. And then we're going to do it better. We're going to eliminate this. We're going to eliminate that. We're going to eliminate men. We're going to eliminate women. And we're going to do it better. Because that's the problem. The man's the problem. The woman's the problem. The pastor's the problem. You know, that next door neighbor's the problem. It's this country or that country or it's this people. Let's kill it. It's us. We're the problem. All. All. All of us. But if those that know Jesus... Right? That claim to know Jesus. Not only head knowledge, as you were saying, but that's allowed us, at least in head, to realize we've got to turn it over to Christ so that the heart really starts to manifest uh, as our Savior. But the Holy Spirit that He has left, or at least pointed out, is there for us because of His being here and leaving. 
If we have any hope or chance that one day when it's all said and done, when he returns again, that we'll see that great glorious Jerusalem mm-hmm. descending from heaven and out of it the light, so much they would not need sunlight. But we're not talking then material stuff. We're talking supernatural, spiritual dimension. But we've got that light now if we allow Jesus to illuminate not only in our hearts, right, but if we love others in that same manner, then we can help them. That's the only way I know of. You can preach at people. You can educate people. You can try to make people behave and do things. But the only way I think really to bring that to fruition is if you live, practice what you preach. Absolutely. And that's that's where it's at. And we can even point back to Christ. I mean, he walked amongst the people. He was with the people. He came in the middle of all that with no grand fanfare. Excuse me. And he was not afraid to speak the truth, but yet, you know, he just... There's no words for it. Of course, that's the way Christ is. There's no words to explain him. And... I was thinking about the the books, the series. Remember when those those series of books came out, um, Left Behind, mm. and and it was a tough read. Some of them was very convicting. Some of them were very hard to read. I specifically remember the I think it was the ninth one, The Mark, and it was really hard. People died, and you had invested yourself in these characters up to the ninth book, and and then to see them die, but in the end. You know what they were doing? It's so interesting that we talked about this today. When Jesus came back and things had calmed down, they were working the ground. They were farming again. They were harvesting fruits and vegetables. I found that so much. So it's kind of like the the full circle of the garden, you know. And that, and that's just fiction. That's just somebody's idea. But to go back to that original idea of how it's supposed to be. The only way we're going to get there, like you said, is just to live it out as best as we can through the Holy Spirit, through His help, and then be willing to share that light. Because the light dispels the darkness. And sometimes the light, sometimes we don't want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard people talk about the rooms of their spiritual house. And, you know, there's that one back closet that's really messy. And we don't want Jesus to go in there because, you know, heaven forbid he see mess. <laughs> he sees everything anyway. Yes. Newsflash. <laughs> But even myself sometimes fall in that trap of thinking, I don't want to talk to you about that. You know, he already knows. Mm -hmm. He already knows. And he still loves us. Isn't that the amazing grace part of it? Yes. He still loves it even in spite of knowing even that one room that we, you know, don't want to talk about or don't want to go in or, you know, Jesus, let me clean that up first. Mm -hmm. Let me go in there and dust and and run the sweeper because it's not good enough for you. So... I think you're right. That's the only way out of it is just to live with the Holy Spirit in us, dispelling the darkness, showing the light. And so the sower genuinely then always overtakes the reaper in God's world. And if there is a grim reaper and you're so preoccupied with that, you're probably not 
your focus is probably not upon the right thing. You're right. focused more right. upon yourself and less upon Christ, and right. you're doing it probably more out of yourself than you are allowing God to finish. I think farmers do that. Do they brag finishing. on themselves when they, like, they, they don't do that, do they? No. I mean, they, they say they have well, these crops, they, but they're, they don't. They know that they next, know. Year, they, next right. year maybe. It's not on them, is it? I mean, no, they know right, that. So right, maybe we all need to be farmers. I know, because you set yourself up <laughs> with such great expectations. Right. As right. hype, you right. set yourself up for failure. Right. Even double exactly. down the measure of failure, or more even so, to your own destruction. Carolyn, <laughs> yes, our listeners are listening to Covenants, sponsored by, I didn't mention this earlier, mm. the Wordhouse Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. Now, I wanted to reserve a little more time but we talked a lot today. And, it and, was interesting. Yes, on the broadcast uh, podcast. But I thought it might be good if during our podcast, with some regularity, we shared with our listeners our progress with covenants and uh, how things are going and, and how we're growing or how the ministry. Now, again, that could be... Can be like those letters you used to get at Christmas time, where you know from other families. It's all well. The Clays are doing this this year, and we're so and so is going to this school, and all that stuff. The braggart stuff. I don't want to be braggart, but it, you do that letter, don't you? No, oh. I never. Yes, I threw them out. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't even read them. I could tell what they were, oh and so I, I pitched them. <laughs> but what I did want to allow our listeners to maybe appreciate is. They are with us in whatever we do. And to the rise or I'm a farmer, to the rise or fall of even the program, the podcast. If they're not part of it, you know, good Lord giveth, the good Lord taketh away. Then I am accepting of whatever that outcome would be. But I don't want to judge it. But they are part of a ministry. And whether they're part of our ministry or not, that's on them and whether God's led them to it. But the progress then just is, again, our own testimony. Right. By the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. Again, the last podcast, we got into that a lot. Faith. This is where I give us a chance. Unfortunately, you only got about maybe 15, a little bit less minutes to wow. share. Do you have that much to tell them? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> well, maybe we should go back to the little bit to rewind just a little bit so our listeners sort of completely understand the full picture of covenants, which is under the umbrella of the Word House. And we do specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling. And I have another location. So we have our own little office. And that's exciting that we can come in and talk and we deal with all types of issues We've had many of the same issues that happen at the Word House. People are the same everywhere. They have the same problems. And so it is an alternative. And we've had marital. We've had individuals. It really just varies across the board. And so I find that the situations we've discussed are common that you may think, well, I'm the only one that, you know, going through this. And you're not. You're not alone. Hurt is hurt. Pain is pain. And there are many individuals dealing with that. And so I would love for our listeners to 
come in so we can talk about that, get some encouragement from the Word. That's where it's always going to go back to, as long as I have anything to do with it. We will see what does the Word say about this. We will pray about it. We will ask God to you know, help us in that and to see it for what it is without judgment. You know, I have... <laughs> People come in and, you know, it would be very easy for me to say, well, how did you get in this predicament? But no, that is not what we're about. And so we're meeting on level, playing around where we're no better or no worse. We're equals in, in that we can relate, which we've talked about that today. So individuals, couples, people come in, we talk to them, we look at the word, what does the word say about it? And we always want to go back to that. And then talk about that, kind of develop some options. What, what does God say about this? And then hopefully we work through some things. Sometimes I give homework, and that's been very successful. Mm. So I, I find that helpful not only to me, but the people find it helpful. So they come back and they've done their homework. Or sometimes they haven't, and there's grace for that. But we uh, we work through things, and so that's I think that's pretty interesting way to go about it because it's multifaceted. Mm. You know, we don't just sit and stare at each other, and so we have you know conversations, and we go back and forth, and then we have the word that leads us, and we decide where the Holy Spirit's taking us. And we are getting the word out. If I might just kind of add to that. Uh, People are finally starting to understand covenants uh, as might be distinctive from Wordhouse. Mm-hmm. Wordhouse has been around since 85, 1985. And uh, with that, we do Christian counseling there too. But with that, it includes then people who are secular or really don't want Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within that, it's got a lot of dimensions that ties it to more the medical model, mm-hmm. which is not bad. But what we wanted of covenants was we really wanted covenants to be entirely spiritual, which doesn't mean, again, we won't appreciate the medical model or right. we, we understand people can also get psychotherapy if they want that. Right. But we just wanted it to be entirely the Word of God. And we mm-hmm. wanted to do that in a way that did not in any way, shape, or form uh, have to conform to any standard but the biblical standard. Right. We didn't want to have to pass licensure mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and all that stuff that sometimes does trip you up. Not mm-hmm. a lot, but sometimes it does. And so if you're coming to covenants, if that's what you want, then what you're going to get is entirely, totally the biblical perspective. Right. It's not without training in the secular, but it doesn't put the secular or the humanistic first. It puts Christ first. Right. And we don't have to worry about saying Jesus, Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about salvation messages. We don't have to worry about certain um, protected sort of terms. People right. want, you know, words that you use. And anymore these days, it's cancel culture and, yeah. and all that stuff. We just have the freedom and the liberty mm-hmm. to be able to define and speak. And, and I don't think we're judgmental uh, in that we're going to impose our dialect on you our language on you. But I don't like it when I feel like I've got to watch what I say, especially if the Holy Spirit's telling me to say something different. And with covenants, I'm insulated because it's pastoral care. You're insulated. We're not subject to all the licensure issues Mm -hmm. and the law and all those things that goes along with insurance requirements, all those things that go along with a more medical model. 
So, so it is just for us great freedom. And for those individuals who otherwise would uh, not have a problem coming in and, and talking, I think they're going to find that freedom to be, be beneficial too because right. they're going to get the best that you are in the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. without you having to double clutch or me having to double clutch and think about it mm-hmm. in some other terms. Because I think that's usually where I get in trouble. <laughs> Again, I've confessed this before. When I think too much about anything, when I'm double clutching, when I'm not just going with the direction that the Holy Spirit's leading me, and I do recognize when it's coming out of me. You said that in the podcast today. The Holy Spirit speaks to you while we're doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I know when it's coming out of me and when it's coming out of Him. But if I double clutch, I can get confused. And, and I won't get in trouble. I'm, I'm smart enough to stay, I think, outside of my head. I know the rules enough to stay out of trouble. But I don't want to confound my heart. You want the best that I am, and that's Christ in me. So I don't want to have to filter that through anything. Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to deliver the Word. And for me, even as I might do work through covenants, different from the Word House, I have that ability to do more of that within the covenants context. Mm-hmm. And the good news for our listeners, uh, you don't do Word House stuff. Stuff, right. So that you are just completely, you said our little office, you are just completely established. Uh, it's quaint. It's very personal. Yeah. It's, it's very unique in that sort of way. It's going to be a good experience. And that's what people need and want is personal because it's them. It's their life. It's their marriage. You know, when somebody comes in and I don't take that lightly. And so as much as it would be my life and my problems and and somebody just sort of, yeah, yeah, you know, that would be offensive to me. So when they come in, I realize that and I put a lot of thought into that. And so those people, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and that's not to like lift me up or anything, but I genuinely do love people. And so when they come, I'm invested in them as much as to help them and to point them and, and to help them hear what God is saying to them. Not what I'm saying to them, but to help them hear what is God saying about this situation. And, and you are the director mm-hmm. of, of Covenants. That's your project. Uh, and so I know that in that same sort of a way, as I asked for a progress report, uh, this, is, this is the vision that God has given me and you to bring to fruition. And so I know that you're personally invested in seeing that ministry too flourish or grow or mature as well. And that's the progress. The progress report is it's progressing. <laughs> it's progressing. Right. But I also want our listeners to know we're not going to ask them, solicit from them funds or money to subsidize that. But we do want them to understand that their prayers are important to us. Uh, I would want them to understand that even they're listening to the, the broadcast is important and the podcast. And, and should they not be out there, then there's really no reason for us to do it. And, and so ministry comes back to that idea of, of not necessarily you pay for it, as with the listeners, or you make it happen on your end by sending me money. I'm not that way. But if they're not going to listen, or if they're not going to be there, or they don't find utility in it, then I need to go plow another field. I mean, you don't need to go. We need to go someplace else because I know there's ministry out there. But I would want our listeners to, again, appreciate that your heart is to bless them with the Word of God. I believe in you. 
I believe in covenants and I believe they're going to get benefit from it. So having said all of that in that way or manner, why don't you do what you do so well? <laughs> well, you do a lot of things well. But the one thing that I rely upon you to do so well is why don't you tell them how to get a hold of us? It took me a while to do it well. <laughs> That's the reason I laughed because I, I had to read it for several podcasts. Our listeners don't realize that, but I, or maybe they do. That would be worse. But um, the easiest way to get a hold of us is to just give us a call, 304-528-9220. That's the best way to get a hold of us. You can also look us up on Facebook, which is the primary way people look things up now on Mm -hmm. Facebook, (laughs) under Covenants with an S. And we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to email us, you can do that, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. That would be great. And then, of course, you can go online. You can check out. If you just want to get a little bit more information, you can go online, covenantsonline.com or covenantschristiancounseling.com. And and as much as, again, that they would want to check us out or would want to get some information in advance, I understand that completely. So please feel free to do that. Absolutely. I do want to, uh, again, remind our listeners, they're listening to Covenants. Uh, I'm Dr. Michael David Clay. You're Carolyn Barnett. Uh, And uh, with that, then, we're co-sponsored by Wordhouse Incorporated, Focus Consultation Services, Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. And again, if you enjoy the podcast, the broadcast, catch our next episode. We'll be on broadcast next week on the air. Uh, but the podcast, they can find that on our Facebook page, Carolyn. Right. All they got to do is go to uh, So Conveniently. You put the link there. Covenants? Yes. And they can go there and they can uh, certainly get all of our podcasts. Yes. But until then, I hope that each and every one of our listeners has a blessed week and uh, want you to know we look forward to joining with you again next week.